0: Hello everybody, you're listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast about finding little adventures every day and making life more interesting. I'm your host, James Barrett, joined by my co-host, Michael
1: DeRosiers. How are you doing today, James?
0: I am doing great. How are you?
1: Yeah, quite well. It's kind of hot today here in beautiful, sunny Bangkok, Thailand. But, you know, what else is new, right?
0: <laughs> here it was negative two two weeks ago, and today it was almost 80. Mm. So that was fun. God bless Texas. It's a it's a wild ride. So, my friend, usually we would start now about talking about what new thing we did this week. Right. However... It's been a day since we talked. <laughs> yes. So, why don't we just start off by, have you done anything new recently?
1: Yes, I have. This week, actually yesterday, I went to a brand new park. The Chulalongkorn University Centenary Park. It was built, kind of as its name suggests, for the 100th anniversary of Thailand's oldest university. It was named after King Chulalongkorn, or Rama V. It was a beautiful park, and it was... Built with a very ecologically minded design. Sort of built on a slope which somehow conserves water. I'm not really sure of the ins and outs of the environmental science behind it all. But it's a really interesting design. A very kind of modern urban park. And it's just so nice to have these green spaces in the middle of Bangkok.
0: Especially Bangkok. At times it can feel claustrophobic. Yeah. It's it's a very tight city in places. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful city. I love it. It's probably my favorite city that I've been to. But there are times where it's like, you've been to New York City, right? I have. Yeah, um, it's like when you're in New York City and you're walking around and then you walk into Central Park and it's just sort of like, uh, it's like a deep breath.
1: Exactly. So Bangkok actually has a lot of parks. The Thai government has done a very good job of building these public green spaces in the city.
0: Yeah, well, while you were talking, I looked it up, and apparently it was also made because Bangkok is slowly sinking by about two centimeters a year, and the parks in throughout the city are used to help water absorb back into the ground rather than sit on top of concrete. Yeah. I think there's plans to have even more parks. That's what this article says.
1: The sinking is a real problem, and the flooding is a real problem here, especially during the monsoon season. Uh, And Bangkok was known as the Venice of the Orient. There's a ton of canals and rivers that run through the city, which certainly don't help the flooding either. (laughs) There's actually a science fiction book called The Wind-Up Girl, which takes place in a future Bangkok where the city is so far underwater that it has to have a giant seawall built around it to protect it. Really interesting. I would recommend it just if you're interested in Thai culture or... Bangkok (laughs) or if you're just interested in sci-fi in general quite a good book check it out well James what about you did you do anything new recently
0: well recently I took a trip to New Mexico Mm -hmm. and for the first time I tried New Mexican food and it's it's pretty good a lot of chilies which is different from Tex-Mex chili which is chili with an I not chili with an E right
1: and not Chile although the flags look the same It's, (laughs) it's,
0: <laughs> I don't know where I rank it in my Mexican food hierarchy because like new Mexican food, Tex-Mex and real Mexican food are all completely different.
1: And James, I would describe you as something of a connoisseur of good Mexican
0: food. I do like Mexican food. Mm-hmm, I do. And Texas is a good place to be if you like real Mexican food. I'm not the biggest fan of like green chili.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I enjoy it when it's done right. And it was definitely done right.
1: Well, James, you know this about me. I am inexplicably fond of the state of New Mexico. <laughs> Land of enchantment indeed, in my opinion. I don't know why I'm so drawn to it. I, I just really like New Mexico. It is kind of strange. I am not familiar with New Mexican food, really, because I've been a bit of a budget traveler. But I do have two hot tips for you. First of all, pinion coffee. You can find it pretty much at any truck stop, gas station, restaurant, whatever. In New Mexico, they smoke the coffee beans. They kind of roast them over pinion wood. And it infuses the coffee mm. with that pinion smell. It's really good. So that's, that's one. Highly recommended. Number two. If you go to a McDonald's in New Mexico and you order a McChicken sandwich, ask for a little cup of green chilies on the side as a condiment. Put the green chilies on top of the McChicken sandwich. That is the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. So next time you happen to be in New Mexico, just go to a McDonald's, get yeah. the McChicken sandwich, and a little cup of green chilies.
0: Yeah, that will be in two weeks. So yeah, that will be good.
1: Well, tell you what, if you do this, if you get a green chili McChicken sandwich, take a picture and put it on our Instagram.
0: Shameless plug.
1: That's right. Before we get into our podcast, speaking of our hashtag, I want to remind everyone of our monthly challenge which is designed to get you out of the house and doing something attainable but interesting. This month, our challenge is to make coffee outdoors. So just go outside and make a cup of coffee. Interpret that however you want. Take a picture and tag us, hashtag AttemptAdventure, or even email us, hello at AttemptAdventure.com. Our three favorite entries are going to win some stickers from us.
0: They're good stickers.
1: You have a month, so happy coffee
0: happy coffee <laughs> today's episode is all about adventuring by yourself and i would say that of everyone that i know you are probably the most experienced at this so why don't you why don't, why don't you start us off okay tell us a little bit about why you do it do you enjoy doing it so
1: when i was thinking a while back about the most adventurous thing i ever did it was not when i moved to thailand because to me that wasn't all that adventurous. I had a job ready to go. I had a group of 10 people that I was going with. I was never really alone. I had people to meet me here and give me orientation and take care of me once I arrived. That wasn't really a big adventure even though it was a, you know, a huge life-changing moment. It wasn't all that adventurous for me because I had the support network. When I came to Thailand, I was a high school English teacher, and on my first school holiday, I wanted to go somewhere interesting. But I wasn't quite sure where to go, and I only had one friend anywhere nearby, and that was a buddy of mine who I went to university with who is from Hong Kong. And so I messaged him, and I was like, I'm coming to Hong Kong. Let's let's meet up. And so I traveled by myself to Hong Kong, and that was actually the first time I had done anything by myself like that. Um, of course, my friend was there to be my local guide and show me around and take me to get food and stuff, But, you know, he also had a job. And so when he was at work, I was going around the city by myself. That was kind of my first time to really travel by myself, even though I was going to meet a friend. But after that, I started traveling on all of the school holidays. The first time I really did something alone, completely alone, was my second year in Thailand, when on one of the school holidays, I took a week in Burma. And I just stayed in Yangon, just one city. Uh, yeah, I explored the city myself. And after that, I sort of just started doing that. On my school holidays, I would go and travel by myself. I do enjoy it because when I do that, I'm in charge of my own itinerary. I can see what I want to see. I'm not relying on other people. I tend to wake up early. I don't like traveling with people who like to wake up at you know 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. I don't like traveling with people that want to go shopping. I've had some colleagues who went to Singapore once for a shopping trip. To me, I can't think of anything worse that's just me, but I would hate that. <laughs> and if that's what you like, you're completely entitled to do that. Some people love that, but I would hate to take a vacation and spend it going to, going shopping. In my opinion, shopping for clothes is a hellish experience at the best of times. I would rather just run to Kohl's, <laughs> buy the first pair of cargo pants I can find, uh, use my Kohl's cash, and get a fantastic discount. So <laughs> the reason I like traveling alone is because I can travel in the way that I like to. Now, I do like traveling with people, as long as they share the same interests. I like traveling with you, James, because we like to see the same kind of things. We operate on a similar schedule. Mm-hmm. We're both interested in the same types of travel. I like traveling with my fiancé for the same reason, because she's interested in the same things that I am. But I'm comfortable traveling alone now. It, just, it took a while to overcome some of the barriers, but by throwing myself into a country like Burma which is not necessarily an easy country to travel to solo. I think I just sort of, you know, I I adapted. I I became comfortable doing it.
0: The first time I ever traveled by myself, well, the first time I really traveled by myself, not just including like a flight somewhere, Mm -hmm. was actually when I came to visit you for the first time. That was the first time I'd been anywhere other than Canada. When
1: you had that crazy layover in China.
0: When I had a 17-hour layover in... Shanghai, yeah, that was sort of my first experience of international travel. Which China is not the easiest first experience of international travel, Mm -hmm. nothing's in English, no one speaks English, and so you learn real quick and you adapt really quick. The first experience I had like exploring somewhere was that when you had to work when I visited you, and I was like, Well, I'm just gonna go explore. And I took the river taxi, and I went to Old Town, and I went back to Golden Mount and Mm -hmm. got a tea and walked around. And it was a very, very enjoyable thing, but it was not something that was necessarily in my comfort zone. But once you you sort of realize that everywhere is the same, not the same stuff or the same people, but there's no reason to be any more, quote-unquote, afraid of somewhere Mm -hmm. because it's not in your country than if you were otherwise. Yeah. I would say I enjoy it. I I do. I think I prefer traveling with people, but kind of like you that share the same sort of goals in the trip. Right. And like now that I'm with my fiance, we, we want the same things out of trips. I want to experience more travel by myself, but at the same time, I don't need to, if that makes sense. Yeah. When you first started traveling in throughout Asia, I don't don't want to say this because it makes it sound like you don't have friends. You know what I mean? But, like, you didn't necessarily have someone to go on these trips with you. Or that you wanted to go on these trips with you.
1: That's completely true. I mean, my first few years here, all of my colleagues were women. And we had different ways to travel. And as a man, I feel more comfortable traveling solo than they would, certainly. Mm -hmm. They would want to be in groups. But when you're with a big group, it takes a lot longer to go where you're going. Like, I would travel with them sometimes. But... By the time they were ready, it was 11 or 12, and like half the day was gone. And it just wasn't enjoyable for me.
0: When I'm on a trip, I want to be up and going by like 8.
1: Yeah, and after my first year, I mean, a lot of my friends had left. And when you're an expat, that's just one of the realities of expat life is a lot of the friends you make are here for one or two years, and then they go. And so I realized early on it was just easier to travel by myself. I mean, I had colleagues, but also you don't necessarily want to travel with your colleagues. I mean, we already lived in the same apartment no. building. We worked together. I didn't really want to see them on my holidays, as much as I liked them, you know.
0: Now that you're with your fiance, and I say like now that you're with like you haven't been together for 6 years. <laughs> I don't even know 6 years. <laughs> have you traveled alone since then?
1: I have. The nature of my visa is very complicated, and I still have to participate in this thing called a visa run, which means every few months I have to just travel outside of Thailand to apply for a new visa and come back. There's ways to avoid that in the future, but a lot of them require having a certain amount of money in the bank account, and I just don't want to do that. So I have traveled alone on my visa runs. Mm -hmm. Obviously not this year. Because of COVID, I've been on a very nice emergency visa. (laughs) But the year before COVID, 2019... Yeah, I went to Siem Reap, Cambodia to get a new visa. I went to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. I flew home to the U.S. twice, once in the summer and once at Christmas time. Got new visas there, and I traveled in Japan on my way home. Usually it's just for like, I don't know, three or four days. I try to make a very small vacation out of it. It's something I have to do anyway, so I might as well enjoy it.
0: Right. I wouldn't mind going on a trip by myself. And I think maybe if I was doing something like... Going skiing or something like that, I would be more okay. Because my favorite trips are where you go to national parks and you go see nature and you go to these little towns and things like that. Those are my favorite. I don't want to say you need someone to experience those with, but it it enhances it.
1: My type of travel for my visa run has me going to cities, like for example, Kuala Mm -hmm. Lumpur. You can go there by yourself. You go to the museum. You go and you can get some food by yourself, some street food, and you can see these historical sites. You can go to the National Mosque. You can go to tourist places. And these are fine to go to by yourself, especially museums. But if you're traveling in nature, you want someone to share that with. Some people I'm sure love mm-hmm. traveling to national parks alone. I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't have as much fun in a national park or in a, uh, somewhere in nature by myself.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's also kind of a stigma with it. I don't know why, but I I do think there is, maybe not as much now.
1: I would say not here in Southeast Asia. I think there's a ton of solo travelers because it is an easy place to travel and a safe place to travel. I and mean, there are men and women who go solo traveling here. But in the U.S., I think you're right.
0: I think we have a different view of solo travel mm-hmm. because we're men and, frankly, because we're white.
1: Yeah, Definitely.
0: Because I know women have a different view on it. People of color have a different view on it. Yeah. Like my fiance, I, I don't know if she would travel by herself. I think the realities of the world are as they are now make it risky.
1: Well, especially in the US, I think here in Asia, race is not a factor as much as.
0: No, not as much
1: as sex, I think. But even so, there are a lot of women who travel solo in Asia, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think it is safer here.
0: Let's talk a little bit about overcoming the fear of traveling by yourself because there is fear that goes with it. It kind of goes away over time. I know I'm extremely comfortable traveling by myself now. I haven't had many like vacations, but I've done a lot of like travel by myself. In China, I figured out how to get from the airport to my hotel and a restaurant and back and everything else. You just, when you have to figure things out, it becomes easier. And when you have to rely on yourself, it becomes easier.
1: That's one reason I think it's good to travel a place like China or like Burma that puts you completely out of your comfort zone rather than just going to Canada or England, because then you're still kind of in your comfort zone and it doesn't really force you to Mm -hmm. grow as quickly As it does if you're somewhere where you don't speak the language, you don't know the culture, you don't know what to eat, and you have to rely on yourself a lot more.
0: And language barrier is no joke. It is a very surreal experience to be sitting there with someone, and you're both saying words, and neither of you have any idea what the other is saying. There are ways around that now, but China is hard because most of those sites are blocked, you can't get on Google. You can't get on these things. And so everything that I would use to help me doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You you figure it out. I remember I was sitting there and this lady came and sat kind of next to me. And then she started talking and I assumed she was on the phone or something like that. But then I looked up and she was talking to me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, tried very politely. Like, I have no idea. I don't know what you're saying. I don't speak Chinese. And this poor girl was trying so hard she knew maybe two or three words in English. Right. At that time, I was like downstairs. I was laying on a bench because I'd been there for fifteen hours. I think she was trying to make sure I was okay, which was very nice. All the people in China I met were very nice, but it's it's such a weird experience, and language barrier is no joke. But you 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 just adapt to it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you say, "Well, this I don't I don't understand anything in this country, so I guess I'm just gonna figure it out." <laughs> But I remember going, getting dropped off at the airport to leave the United States. And I was nervous. I was really, really nervous. And I've flown my whole life. I've never had a problem traveling on planes. But I had never done anything like that. And I was, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but extremely anxious. I I didn't know what to expect. So... What are your tips for overcoming that? Maybe if you're a first-time traveler.
1: Well, I think maybe take a fairly short trip. Then Mm -hmm. if you end up hating it, okay, it's only four days. You can stay in a hotel for four days if you're completely miserable. But I honestly think just force yourself to get out there. Buy a good guidebook. When I went to Burma, I had a copy of the Lonely Planet book, and there was a self-guided walking tour of historic Ingon. And that was the kind of structure that I needed on my first day. So I just started at point one. I followed that guide. I read about each place, took some pictures at each spot. And the self-guided tour from the Lonely Planet book ended up in a traditional Burmese tea house. Sat down. I had some uh, Burmese milk tea. And it was a really local place. It was really good. I ended up ordering some, some noodles. Some people tried to talk to me. People were super friendly. But it put me in this really local place. But it wasn't somewhere that I was just going on my own. I would have never wandered into this place on my own. I was just following Mm -hmm. the self-guided tour from the Lonely Planet book. And that kind of structure was really helpful. So get a guidebook, you know, a physical paper guidebook. Internet's not always going to work as well in other places. Even if you have a SIM card, Mm -hmm. even if you have roaming, some things, like you said, are going to be blocked. Some things just aren't going to work the way that they would. So get a a real book. Yeah, for sure. Research about it. Find a list of places that you want to see. If you're uncomfortable, if you feel too exposed, put your headphones in. Uh, Nowadays, if you wear headphones and a mask and sunglasses, you're kind of in a little shell. And if you have any kind of anxiety at all, it kind of gives you this comfort blanket around your head. You know, you don't have to talk to people. Don't be afraid of being rude. You don't have to talk to someone. You can ignore people if you're uncomfortable mm-hmm. and just keep walking. And if you get a bad feeling, then leave. I mean, it's easy as that. I think that the, really the tip is just like you have to force yourself to do it, but be aware of your surroundings. Pay attention to where you are and just kind of understand the country a bit before you go.
0: I think being aware of your surroundings is a big part of feeling comfortable because you should just do that everywhere no matter where you are. Right. If you're aware of
1: your surroundings, you are in control of the situation. Keep your eyes open. Just look around you. And if things are starting to look weird, then leave. Right? Yeah. But, if I mean, if you're walking around and you see a bunch of families, people hanging out and and doing normal daily life things, then you can probably feel safe. You know, if you see a mom taking your kid for a walk in the stroller, you're probably in a pretty okay area. I mean, it's just about using your judgment. It's about developing
0: good judgment. Yeah. You know, we kind of already touched on this. The best solo trips are probably going to be more cities.
1: Yes, I think so.
0: Rather than camping. Solo camping, I know people that enjoy, but I personally wouldn't. That takes a lot more comfort with being alone.
1: Yeah, comfort not just in feeling safe and feeling secure, but just overcoming boredom. Because if I'm just in the Mm -hmm. woods by myself, I can be like, okay, this is pretty. And then 30 minutes later, I'm like, I'm really bored. Because to me part of the fun of camping is having someone there to share that experience with you. What is the best sort of unexpected thing that happened when you were traveling solo? Or just in general, the best solo adventure that you've been
0: on? The second time I was visiting you, you went to work one day, and I I took the river taxi into Old Town. But when I was coming back, I got off at the wrong stop. Mm -hmm. And ended up in a part of Bangkok that... Tourists just don't go to. It wasn't bad. It was just a normal neighborhood, but it had the little shops and little street vendors and things like that. You know, I was walking and I knew exactly where the, the Sky Train station was, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wander around. You know, I stopped and I got a snack and I got a tea. I looked in the little shops and I did things like that. And it was a very, very interesting experience. And it was really, really cool because it, it enforces in your mind that people are people. And I think that's a really cool experience that you get when you travel abroad or even just to, like, different states or
1: different
0: cities, anything, is that people are people.
1: And that's an experience that you would not have had if you were with me because, number one, I would have taken you to the right station and we would have just gotten out. And number two, if we had gotten out at the wrong station, we probably would have just been talking and chatting and you wouldn't have had... The opportunity to really look around and explore and mm-hmm. discover some new place. And that's the kind of thing that you can
0: only do, really, when you're alone. You see people living their day-to-day life, which maybe you just overlook otherwise. And it's a really cool experience to see the similarities and differences to your everyday life. Well, what about you? What, what was your best
1: couple years ago, when I was in Japan, I had taken a day trip from Tokyo to this town called Kamakura, and I was trying to find the Big Buddha, which is this giant bronze statue that's hundreds of years old. And I had gone to some temples, and I was trying to navigate, but I didn't have phone data. So I had a paper map. I saw a sign that said, Big Buddha, this way. And I was like, okay, here we go. So I started walking, and this path took me up into the mountains. And it was had been rainy, and it was very muddy, but it was also very green and very beautiful. And I sort of started wandering. Now, if I had been with a friend, probably would have found a better way to go, maybe even shared a taxi. But taxis are kind of expensive in Japan. So I decided I was just going to walk because I didn't want to pay that money by myself. This This path I took was a really circuitous route that took me high into the mountains above Kamakura. I mean, I could see all the way down to the beach, far in the distance, the ocean, I could see the whole town, and it was beautiful. Like I said, it was really green. It was like being in sort of a a jungle, a Japanese jungle. And I ended up in this kind of, like, mountain retreat. It was just this cafe in the middle of the mountains, all by itself. And at that point, I was kind of cold and kind of hungry, and I stopped in at this cafe. And it had incredible views, and I had a little cup of mushroom soup and a croissant sandwich and a cup of coffee. And I started talking to the people that worked there about, like, what is this place? Like, why is this little cafe here? And they were telling me, you know, this used to be some guy's private home. And hikers would always get lost and just kind of stumble across here. And he would just start by offering them tea when they would come across his property. And eventually he was like, you know what? A lot of people are coming by here. I'm just going to make a real cafe where people can sit and rest. And he built this little cafe, he, like a French-style cafe up in the mountains. And the people, the staff there were so friendly, and they could speak English well enough, and we had a great little conversation, and they pointed me on the way, and I came down the mountain on the other side, and then there I was, right in front of the great Buddha of Kamakura. That whole experience, from kind of getting lost to meeting the people to having my mushroom soup, which doesn't sound very Japanese and it's not, but you know it was a, it was a French style cafe to kind of going to the great Buddha by myself, was great if there had been someone else with me. I think I would have been doubting, I would have been second guessing we would have been saying, "Are you sure you want to go this way? Do you want to turn around, you know, or should we just get a taxi or should we just mm-hmm. give up?" But when I was by myself, I was like, "I don't mind walking for a while. You don't have to feel considerate of other people." It, you know, it was a really long walk and it was really uncomfortable and it was muddy and it was wet and cold, but I was by myself so I didn't I wasn't worried about someone else being comfortable, so I just kept going right. and I had this really cool experience. And it was a day I probably wouldn't have had even if I was with one other person, because we probably would have made different decisions and done things differently.
0: Right. And getting lost can be a very good thing. Mm -hmm. You see some weird things when you get lost. Oh yeah. That's cool. I would have liked to see that.
1: In general, I think people are good in general. I think people are going to be willing to help you. I believe that solo travel experiences, as long as you are open-minded, aware of your surroundings and, and stay safe are going to be overwhelmingly positive. I would agree. It might be more fun to travel with someone
0: else, sure.
1: But I think that you shouldn't be afraid of traveling just because you don't have someone to go with.
0: Well, you want to you wanna go into our next segment?
1: Yes, I'm ready. James, it's time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News.
0: Mine is not so much an adventure. However, it is adventurous. Now, the United States just added its most recent national park. New River Gorge National Park and Preserve in West Virginia. And it looks awesome. There are plateaus and rapids and those rolling mountains that you get in... Mm -hmm the Appalachians and the national parks. And and I just want to give a shout out to the national park system because it's the best thing ever. Oh, definitely. I wanted to bring attention to this national park in particular, New River Gorge in West Virginia and encourage, encourage people to go find your nearest national park because they offer experiences like you wouldn't believe.
1: Several years ago, James and I went to Carlsbad Caverns National Park And instead of just going to the big cave that everyone goes to, we signed up for a very small group tour at a place called Spider Cave, which was a caving experience where we had to have, you know, knee pads and a headlamp. And it was like,
0: what, 10 people, maybe? Yeah, four hours of caving and 10 people. Yeah, it was very inexpensive and it was awesome. It
1: was just an incredible experience that you would never find anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And these are the types of things that the national parks offer. You know, this is really cool, James. I'm reading this article. It says Lower New River is famous for its Class 4 and 5 rapids. So if you're into rafting, that's super cool. Truthfully, I feel like West Virginia is really overlooked as a state.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful state. That is definitely on my list of places to go. But I just sort of wanted to use my segment this week to bring attention to the national parks. They're just a wonderful, wonderful thing. For all the problems that the United States has, the national park system is a very bright spot. I would argue that they might be one of the greatest contributions Mm -hmm. the United States gave to the world. But that there's also a great system of state parks. Most states have wonderful state parks. Go try those. Not really an adventure, but... It opens the door to adventure. So yeah, there we go. Cool. West Virginia,
1: quite honestly, had never really been on my radar.
0: No, I'd never wanted to go to West Virginia until this.
1: You know, it's almost heaven from what I hear.
0: Hmm. Even though I'm pretty sure the stuff he mentions in that song aren't in West Virginia. <laughs> I think Little they're John in regular,
1: regular Virginia. They're
0: in regular Virginia.
1: Good singer, quite poor at geography.
0: <laughs> it's because he couldn't it was either say West Virginia saying as like the west part of Virginia uh-huh. because he couldn't say Western Virginia. It didn't sure. Fit.
1: Well, any other state you can do that. You could say West Texas. But when you have a state
0: Called West Virginia, (laughs) yeah.
1: Like you know, that actually brings up a a very valid point: is if you live in like North Dakota, but you're talking about the southern part, do you say Southern South North Dakota? Like, how do you how do you refer to that? Because that's awfully confusing.
0: I think you would say like South North Dakota, South
1: North Dakota, or Southern North Dakota.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's um, that's about all I got for the day.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for listening to our podcast. If you have a topic that you would like us to talk about feel free to shoot us an email. You can find us at hello at attemptadventure.com or just go to our website, uh, attemptadventure.com, and click on the contact button. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We are Attempt Adventure on all of those. Coming up, we have some really interesting topics. We have a couple great guests that we're going to be interviewing, so stay tuned for that. And as one last reminder, don't forget to participate in our monthly challenge, which is to go outside and make a cup of coffee. Take a picture and either share it to us on Instagram, hashtag attemptadventure, or email us at the aforementioned email, hello at attemptadventure.com. Till next time, keep adventuring.